We do have evidence of people making jewellery for hundreds of thousands of years. It seems to be one of the earliest forms of expression that we have. Welcome to 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums. My name is Rachel Roberts and I'm the Collections Registrar for Lancaster City Museums. In this series, we're celebrating 100 years of our museums by looking in depth at 100 of our favourite objects and the stories that they can tell. Today's object is a rare glimpse into not only the lives of people from thousands of years ago, but also into their culture and how they tried to express themselves. Today's object is a 5,000-year-old pendant. The pendant is made out of part of the tusk of a wild boar. It's eight and a half centimetres long and three and a half centimetres across at the widest point. It's smooth and slightly polished through age, but it's not carved or decorated with patterns. However, at one end is a smoothly carved hole to allow the pendant to be hung around the neck. The pendant was found in an archaeological excavation of an area that was used as a burial space, probably around 5,000 years ago. We spoke to Claire Bradshaw, the Archaeology and Heritage Officer for the Morecambe Bay Partnership, who told us a bit more about this object, starting with where it was found. The object that we're looking at today is a pendant. It's made of boar tusk, and we think it's probably from the late Neolithic or early Bronze Age. We're not entirely sure about that, though. The reason I find it so interesting is it's just a really human, throughout the ages, form of, of decoration. You're trying to express something about yourself by wearing jewellery. It was found in a place called Dogholes Cave. That's on the west side of Wharton Crag. It's a little bit down the slope, so quite near to the base of the crag. And that cave was excavated between 1909 and 1913 by a man called John Wilfred Jackson. So it's quite a nice big cave. It's about 20 metres long. And there were lots of different places and collections of artefacts in the area. So this particular artefact is from an area called the Bone Chamber. And it's called that because it was full of human skeletal remains, so human burials, but also lots and lots of animal remains. So things like the remains of cows, the remains of sheep and goats, but also things like wolf and bear and Irish elk um, and some other things like lemmings, which have been extinct for a very long time before the humans were buried then. So it's a fascinating place which covers lots of different areas of prehistory. So what sort of people would have been using and living at the site so long ago? Probably weren't too many people living at the site at all. Certainly the bone chamber, we think they were just using it to bury people in that area. We think, probably, that they were doing that in the late Neolithic, early Bronze Age. So we're looking at about five and a half thousand years ago, perhaps maybe a bit later than that. Although it, there's a bit of a question about that, really, because at the time they were looking at dating the material based on the shapes of the skulls and a lot of that work has been discredited because it's there's a lot of links to things like eugenics and skull morphology which is all a bit pseudoscientific so there are some questions about that 
However, there is some discoloration on some of the bones, which do suggest that they could be of that age, so it may well be that they are that old. But we've also got a later period of more likely occupation, and that's from the very early Romano-British period. So we're talking Iron Age people who were still occupying Britain after the Romans invaded. They seem to have been using a bit near the entrance to the cave, and there's been a hearth discovered there, and again, a lot more animal bones, some human bones, but there's also a lot of personal belongings. Things like uh, weaving combs have been found in there, and also things like buttons and other decorations. So we've got two kind of distinct periods of occupation, one of which was just really a burial site, the other they seem to have actually been living there or staying there for an extended period of time. From the the Neolithic period of occupation, we don't really have too many actual finds other than the human remains themselves. But those human remains can actually shed a lot of light on their activity. So, for example, a lot of the bones were quite dense. So they were they seem to have been quite well built. And some of the places where the muscles were attached to those bones that you can see on them today were really quite prominent. So we know that they were probably had quite a load-bearing lifestyle. They were quite active. They would have had to have been doing a lot of physical work. So we know that. We also saw in a couple of cases that some of the the bones, uh, particularly the tibias, had been fractured and then they had healed over again or fused to other bones. So we know actually that people were probably looking after each other a little bit because usually if you've got a broken tibia, if you're not being looked after, you're going to struggle to survive. But these people did and they had chance for those bones to heal and carry on living. But then we've also got information like quite a lot of the bones were from elderly people. So we know we've got people living to quite an old age. We don't have specifics about how old they were because it can be quite difficult to tell. But we've also got a few younger people as well. So they're not really differentiating between who is being buried in these places. And what sort of world were these people living in? What was happening in this area five and a half thousand years ago? It's a real time of change, actually. The the climate at the time, sea levels are probably around the same as they are today, maybe a little bit higher, but not very much. And the climate is quite a bit warmer and it's kind of fluctuating between being warm and wet, warm and dry. And then eventually, as you're going into the, the Iron Age, the later period of occupation in the cave, it's starting to get a bit colder again. And what we're seeing is the introduction of agriculture for the first time. So before the Neolithic, people were hunter-gatherers. They were collecting all of their kind of resources from the surrounding area, but moving around a lot. In the Neolithic, people started to stay in one place a lot more. So they're having more permanent settlements and they're also starting to farm so they're starting to grow wheat and barley also because it's a bit warmer they're also occasionally not so much up here but certainly in the south they're growing things like lentils and grapes which we wouldn't imagine that we'd be able to grow in this country today necessarily they're settling down farming communities Certainly later in the Bronze Age, we're starting to see more hierarchies emerge that we can see in the archaeological records. We're getting people who seem to have more wealth uh, and less wealth and buried in slightly different ways. They start off farming cattle a lot and then they move a bit more onto sheep husbandry. So actually towards the end of this period, it might not look quite (laughs) so different as this area does today. But there'd have been far fewer people in the area than me. A much lower population. So excavations at sites 
on the Orkneys are seeing villages with about 60 to 100 people, much smaller communities than we would see today. What about the animals that our ancestors shared Lancashire with? What sort of species were around? They had a a lot of different interesting species, actually, because they had the more wild variants, but they also had the domestic variants. They had what's called the Celtic shorthorn cow, which is more like an ox, really, but it's what modern cows were domesticated from, really. But you've also got the oryx, which is very much a wild type of cow, which would have stood like two metres tall. But you've got both that wild variety and you've got the more domestic variety. You've also got wolves alongside a lot of dog skulls. You've got the wild boar, but you've also got domesticated pig as well. So you can see they're using a real mix of resources there. So they are domesticating animals, they're farming them, but they are also still taking advantage of a lot of the natural resources in the area. We've also got lots of different types of deer, so we found buried in the soil with the human remains, we found evidence of red deer, roe deer and fallow deer. And some of those we know that they were used for eating. So a lot of the long bones of these animals, so the legs and the arms, were broken in half so they could extract the marrow, so they could eat the marrow. But you've also got evidence of them using parts of the animals as tools. So you've got some of the deer antler, some of them seem to be used for picks, but we've also got the comb that I mentioned earlier, it was made out of deer antler, and that would have been used for weaving. So again, we know they're using textiles, weaving from wool, so they're probably collecting wool from sheep. Next, we asked Claire if any Neolithic or Bronze Age settlements were known in the Wharton area. That is a bit of a tricky one. In the original excavations, they did say that they found some depressions near the mouth of the cave, which they said could be pit dwellings. So they're thinking from the Romano-British period. I mean, that area is a little bit wooded now, and it's quite hard to see the ground surface. So we don't quite know whether they did exist or whether they were just something that had been misinterpreted because that area wasn't excavated in the same way as the cave was. We do know that in the Bronze Age period that people were either living or potentially farming on Wharton Crag itself. So people may have heard of what has previously been described as an Iron Age hill fort at Wharton Crag. Up on the the crag itself, there's evidence of three ramparts or, or walls. So it's piled up walls of stone with earth packed in between them. This has been interpreted in the past as an Iron Age hill fort because of its position overlooking the bay, it's high up, it would be a really good place. But recent reinterpretations, so based on some LIDAR surveys we've been doing at Morecambe Bay Partnership, we think actually it might be from the form of the ramparts and their height and uh, basically the way they're positioned, that actually it's much more likely that it was an enclosed Bronze Age potential settlement, potentially just stock enclosures up there. There's a lot of change in the air and it would definitely take some more excavation and investigation to know for certain, but we think actually the structures are from a much earlier period and that people were 
farming up there rather than necessarily using it as a defensive structure. Our object today is a piece of jewellery rather than a functional tool or weapon. Could this tell us that the people who used Wharton Crag so long ago had a culture and made things for their beauty or for entertainment as well as for their basic needs? Yes, absolutely. We do have evidence of people making jewellery for hundreds of thousands of years and it seems to be kind of one of the earliest forms of expression that we have. So often people are making jewellery out of shells, they're also like this, they're making um, them out of animal teeth and animal bones, sometimes actually human teeth and bones, which is quite interesting. I found some recently. And it's not just modern humans that are doing this, it's also, we know, Neanderthals seem to be making jewellery as well, which came as quite a surprise actually, because there was this view that Neanderthals didn't have the same level as culture as modern humans. But during the Neolithic period, because people weren't writing things down, we don't know exactly what people were thinking at the time, but we know that they are making massive monuments to bury their dead in. We know that they're making lots of highly decorative objects, like particularly in Scotland, they've got examples of carved stone balls. We're not entirely sure what they're for, but they're very highly decorative. We've also got things further south, carved stone drums, which again, not entirely sure what they're for. So we know that, that there's a lot of cultural activity and there's also probably quite a lot more that we don't see in the archaeological record just because it doesn't survive. So what happened to the people around Wharton Crag in the Neolithic and Bronze Ages? Did they die off? Did they move away? Or did they stay and evolve into new communities? Well, that is an excellent question and one particularly with the earlier Neolithic kind of Bronze Age communities we're still not very sure about the answer to that. There have been a variety of theories over the years. There's the theory that the people who were living in the British Isles before the Neolithic Revolution, so before agriculture was introduced, were one race of people, and then there was a replacement by people moving in from the continent. And then there's the theory that that also happened again in what we call the Beaker period, so the early Bronze Age. But there are also a lot of theories about cultural exchange and how people did used to travel long distances, so it's quite possible that there would be trade between mainland Europe and Britain. So it's all a bit complicated. Um, there have been a lot of studies coming out recently looking at tooth isotopes and bones that are suggesting that actually there might have been a population replacement. Archaeology had kind of moved away from thinking that that was particularly likely, but actually a lot of the studies coming out are suggesting there has been a replacement. But there's also a question of where those studies are being conducted and where bones survive. So a lot of funding gets funneled into very specific sites and historically it's very much been based in the southeast and southwest. And so a lot of the skeletal material from more northern sites haven't necessarily had the attention they deserve in the past. Now that's changing quite a bit 
recently. So it's possible that actually different things were taking place in different parts of the country. Certainly we know from excavations around Cumbria that a lot of the technological changes that happen in the Neolithic period seem to happen a lot later in Cumbria. So they're hanging on to the hunter-gatherer way of lifestyle for a lot longer, which given the terrain there and the difficulty of farming in the area makes a lot of sense. And that seems to be the case for a lot of these archaeological transitions that we see. So we think they're probably happening a bit later in the northwest. Saying that though, the earliest evidence of farming is from Ireland and the Isle of Man, so not the area you would necessarily expect if people were coming over from mainland Europe. So there's still a lot of confusion and a lot of work left to do on that question. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects. We hope you will listen to some of our other episodes where we'll be contemplating objects from the Paleolithic to the present day.